Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Here we go again. Oh, my goodness. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood here. Almost summer in the Green Mountains of Vermont. The birds are very happy, and I am too. <laughs> so grateful to begin our time together with a prayer and a blessing. I invite you to place your hands on your heart. And let's wholeheartedly partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. Let us give thanks. Let us be grateful. Grateful that there's an infinite field of love and this is where we live and move and have our being. We are grateful and thankful for the precious gift of a human life. We are grateful to have this opportunity to transform all the decisions of the past, all of the false beliefs, all of the negativity, everything that we have used to hurt ourselves and to hurt others, we're giving it all to the Holy Spirit right now. And we're allowing it to be healed back to the root cause so we never experience it again. I speak a special word of blessing for all the fathers, for all of our fathers, for those of us who are fathers, every single father. We are grateful and thankful, and we bless everyone who has a father. So we are all blessed. No one is left out. The gifts of the Father, the Heavenly Father, are ours, and we are grateful to receive them, to accept them, to allow them, and to fully appreciate them. We share the benefits with our brothers and sisters. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. <laughs> there comes a time in our lives when we realize that our fathers and our mothers are our brothers and sisters. We think there are mothers and fathers, but there are they are our brothers and sisters. I'm not a parent in this lifetime, though I have wonderful relationships with various children. And yet, I'm sure that I've been a parent many, many, many times. And observing my friends and loved ones who are parents, and my own parents. It does seem like the hardest job there is. And one of the things I know for sure as a spiritual counselor for more than two decades now, all parents get triggered into that unconscious guilt. They feel they could do a better job. There's no parent that doesn't feel they could do a better job wished they had done a better job, wished that they had had more insight, more clarity, more knowledge, more compassion, more love at various times with their children. And uh, I remember uh, watching Stephen Colbert's show, the late night talk show host, uh, I-, I like him a lot, he makes me laugh at the the absurdities of life. And he said once that, uh, and he is, I, I want to say he's the youngest of 11 children. Youngest of 11. And when he was, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, something like that, his father and his brother were killed in a plane crash. And so his mother then became a single parent of all these children. He said when he had his first child, 
he realized he did not appreciate his mother enough. <laughs> and, of course, people have all kinds of journeys with their parents. I do feel that one of the most beautiful ways that people live their life, and I have a number of friends who have done this, folks who, men and women whose parents were not particularly good parents, probably would have been better off not to have children, except that they gave these beautiful people the gift of a human birth and the opportunity to incarnate and to go through this journey. So I've seen my friends and folks who had parents who were extremely difficult narcissistic, uh, brutal, uh, viciously unkind, ignorant, all kinds of things. And I've seen them raise families, children, in a totally different way from their parents, 100% different way, a total 180 from their parents. And so that the patterns of parenting in their family stopped with them and everything rebooted in their family line. And I've seen them have children and raise those children in loving, kind, compassionate, supportive ways and those children have raised children, are raising children, the grandchildren of my friends, who these children are loved, they are adored, they are completely adored by every member of their family. And they are loved and appreciated and supported. And that's what people can do. And so... The topic today is forgiving our fathers. And to me, being able to forgive our mothers and fathers, our parents, our forebears, is one of the most sacred opportunities that we have in our lifetime. I remember precisely where I was. I was driving in a car. Someone else was driving. And I remember exactly where I was in Hollywood, Los Angeles. It was a hot summer day. And something caused me to flip a switch in my awareness. I don't know that it was anything in that particular moment, but the culmination of my spiritual practice and my prayers brought me to that moment where I realized that I had been disappointed, bummed out, and critical of my family because I was so judgmental and I had been blaming them for it. Yep. And in that moment on Hollywood Boulevard, I realized oh, no, they've given me this opportunity to transform this consciousness. They haven't given me a burden. They've given me a gift. I saw this is my gift because my family love, loved me when I was growing up. They love me still. And... Yet the family was very judgmental. And I understand it now. It's a defensive posture. To attack is a defensive posture. I understand that very, very well now. And growing up in my family, I thought, oh, I see how this is done. 
the most judgmental person wins. <laughs> okay, well, I, I can't believe that game. I, I, can, I can surely win at that game. And so I, I really, I really gave it my all. And I was a very, very judgmental person. And then in my 20s, uh, in the middle of my 20s, I became absolutely miserable because of the judgments. The judgments were so oppressive that I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't believe I could ever be happy. And a person who is highly judgmental actually cannot be happy except for more than a moment. Ah, I found this pen that I love. Oh, I thought it was lost. I found it. You're happy for a moment. But the true deep well of joy that is this inner resource that we all have been given, that is not accessible to someone who is highly judgmental, condemning, criticizing, and complaining. What the person who whose mind goes to attack like that, they live in fear. Constant fear. For some people it becomes anxiety. For some people it becomes anger. Irritation, frustration, disappointment. So I was the latter. And uh, I... I'm so grateful for all that training that I had with my family because I have overturned a lot of it in my mind. And the, the one of the beginnings was the flipping of that switch when I realized, oh, this is not my burden, this is my gift. So I'm going to invite you right now to commit to making a list of the things that you have been thinking of as a burden. could be anything. It doesn't have to be inherited from the way you were raised, but it could be. But look at the, the things in your mind, the patterns in your mind, the beliefs that you carry that feel like a burden. And be willing to see that they are gifts. Just be willing. Willingness is the only requirement. Take this divine opportunity right now to flip that switch. No one else can do it for you. Only you can do it for you. But your willingness is all that's required. The Holy Spirit will carry you all the rest of the way. If you're willing to stop carrying the burdens, the Holy Spirit will carry you all of the way. So, this is no small thing, you see. And this is the place where The crowd thins. Some people are willing to actually do the work. And some people listen and they talk. But they are not actually doing the work. Because doing the work entails the forgiveness. So, once again, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the release of the meaning that I made of things. Forgiveness is the interpretation that I made of things. I think I mentioned recently, talking about my grandfather, who, when he was a boy, growing up in the hills of Kentucky, he, he didn't have shoes because his father had left the family. There was no money for shoes. And there was barely money for food because his mother took in laundry and was able to get enough to barely feed him and his sisters. Hills of Kentucky, 
there are no no resources for a woman at that time very little and she was not well you can imagine the kind of life that um, was being led first of all malnourishment if you don't have proper food and vegetables and things like that if you don't have your own garden and things like that how will you actually feed yourself my grandfather told me the most frightening thing that ever happened to him was his mother gave him a nickel and told him to go to the store and get so much sugar and so much flour, cornmeal, to make cornbread. And he was terrified he would lose that nickel on the way to the store, and then the family would starve because that was the only nickel. His mother had told him, this is our last nickel. So... uh, that imprints upon a person. And uh, my grandfather, when he was 12 years old, he left school and he went off on his own to look for work and to send money back to his mother and sisters at 12 years old. Think of a 12-year-old you know, leaving home on their own, no one to teach them the ropes or anything, and he's got to find some way to get money to send back. And this was his childhood, and then the Depression came. Tough times. So when I was a kid, uh, my my grandparents were doing well by then, and uh, very well, and... Because my grandfather had had built uh, a career and uh, had built uh, a business and was successful at it with my grandmother's support. Because he left school so young, he didn't know how to do the math necessary to do his receipts at the end of the day. He was a salesman. He was a Hoover vacuum cleaner salesman. And he didn't know how to do his receipts at the end of the day. So she had been a school teacher, and she taught him at night what he needed to know to do his work. Kind of amazing. And and she totally respected him, even though she was more educated than him. So, uh, beautiful love story, actually, with my grandparents. And so when I was a kid playing in their house, they had beautiful new wall-to-wall carpeting. This is in the 60s, mid-60s, right? So an extravagance that they could afford and they enjoyed. And the carpet was beautiful and wonderful when when. Nice, really nice carpeting. And so me, being five, six years old, I did what any other kid would do, especially in the summertime. I took off my shoes and I ran around the house and enjoyed that wall-to-wall carpeting. (laughs) My grandfather saw me running around and he said, where are your shoes? And I was like, I don't know where they are. <laughs> he said, you put your shoes on, young lady. You have shoes. Go find them. And I thought, what is he talking about? I can run around barefoot in the house. Why can't I? You have this wonderful carpeting. I can run around barefoot at home. I can run around barefoot on the lawn. What's, what is he talking about? But it wasn't until I was a teenager that he told me he didn't have shoes when he was a kid. And then I understood why he yelled at me. But when he yelled at me, I thought, oh, I've done something wrong, I'm bad, but I don't understand what it is, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. So you grow up with parents who have been through really tough times, 
my grandparents went through some really, really tough times. And I know many people have been through incredibly tough times. And the, the tendency is to interpret it and to blame your, your parents for it sometimes. It's very popular at these times. But you know what? I never heard my grandfather say one thing about his father. Never. He never spoke of his father. And he rarely spoke of his mother. And he he left that past behind. And that was so important for him. And I know that's one of the reasons why he was so successful in his work. And that when he retired, he was a millionaire. So I I do feel that it had to do with several things. And one was that I, I think he moved on. I never heard him complain about his childhood. But sometimes he would tell us a little bit about it, but not complaining. Even going out on his own and, as he called it, batching it, being a bachelor at 12 years old, making his way. I don't remember him complaining about it. He was not like that. And that is important because I used to be such a complainer. But my father's not a complainer. I think I brought that in with me. But you see, sometimes people can blame that stuff on their lineage. But is there is is it something to blame on them? Or is it their own choice, their own decision, their own stuff? My father has said to me, that uh, I was an angry child. And was I angry because I I didn't like things in this life? Did I bring the anger with me? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's some of both. But the thing that I can do now is recognize that my parents did the very best that they could do. Could I have done any better than them? If I had had children at their age, because they were both 22 when I was born, if I had had children when I was 22, oof, I, <laughs> I would feel, I would really have some self-forgiveness work to do. For sure. For sure. Oh my gosh. Thank God I didn't have children at that age. Thank God. So, one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves is to really look at, did our parents do the best that they can? Can we now think of them as our brothers and sisters instead of our mothers and fathers? Because, you know, we, we all would like our parents to be this kind of roof on the house and that they are the roof on the house. They are going to protect us. They are going to shelter us. You see, it's this special relationship. We all are yearning for this special relationship, the one that gives us shelter from the storm. However, we can have a holy relationship. And the good news is we can have a holy relationship no matter whether our parents and grandparents have passed on or not, it's never too late to have a holy relationship because we are eternal beings. And one of the wonderful gifts that we can offer to our ancestors at this time is to bless them and give thanks for them. Because as far as I'm concerned, and this is not in A Course of Miracles that I'm aware of. But as far as I'm concerned, we are our ancestors. I personally, my understanding is that we travel in soul groups, reincarnating together again and again and again and again. 
Because who better to learn with and to grow with than the people that you've had past lives with? So that person who irritates you so much now, you can transform that relationship right now if you're willing to see it correctly. And that's a tremendous gift. By the way, speaking of fathers, this Sunday is Father's Day, and my father is going to join us at Sundays with Spirit. So that's my live Sunday service online. You're welcome to join us. You can also get the replays. We record them. So you can sign up for that. Go to the events page at jenniferhadley.com, and you'll see how to sign up there. And once you sign up, then all the replays are in the member site and easy to access. But come, you can ask my father any question you like this Sunday. Woo, we'll see how that goes. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I will be right Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you for coming back. I do thank you. Thank you for our connection. It's meaningful to me. And I realized during the break that I didn't quite wrap up the story of my grandfather in the shoes It has to do with forgiveness, because true forgiveness is relinquishing our attachment to the meaning that we've made of things, to our interpretations. So my grandfather had interpretations about shoes. To see his little granddaughter running around the house without shoes, he saw in his mind his sister's without shoes, going to school, doing all kinds of things because they didn't have shoes. He saw this is a sign of poverty. Lack of shoes is a sign of poverty. And that's what upset him. You have shoes, he said to me. It didn't make any sense to me. You have shoes. Well, yeah, everybody has shoes, was my thinking. But he's saying, you have shoes, so wear your shoes. You're not a poor little girl who can't afford shoes. You have shoes. And what I heard, my interpretation was, I did something wrong. I did something bad. And that my grandfather can be scary. He can erupt into anger and upset. And... What happened to the guy who's crawling around on the floor with me? (laughs) Where's that guy? Where did he go? What happened? What did I do wrong? So this is our whole life, right? This is our life story that we interpret things, and then it becomes a resentment. It becomes a hurt, a wound. And if those are left to fester and they are not brought to the light they're not correctly seen, then it generates fear, and then that also generates anger. And this is why some people are very anxious and some people are very angry. And so we blame it all uh, sometimes on our family. But they are not to blame for our interpretations. We can take responsibility and give up all blame. No one need be blamed, but we can take responsibility. And this is the gift that we can share, not just with our brothers and sisters and our mothers and fathers, but all humanity. So it takes great willingness to be able to search the mind for this pattern of being offended, being hurt, blaming others, the victim mentality. Fortunately, 
All we have to do is realize, oh, there it is again, Holy Spirit, please take this out of my mind so I never think it again. I'm done with these kinds of patterns, these kinds of thoughts and beliefs. I'm truly not interested in them. But when we think we're right, and especially when we start arguing for how right we are, then we get into trouble. We really do. And, you know, one of the things that's challenging is, and I'll share, I've got someone in my life, been in my life for quite a while, and um, that I care about. And they, because of the way they were raised and the things that happened to them when they were a child, they have a really hard time acknowledging any responsibility And they also have a hard time acknowledging other people's feelings. And they have a hard time even saying thank you. I don't know precisely what happened to them when they were a child, but it seems evident that that's why they behave the way they behave, because I feel their heart is a very kind-hearted, very loving person. And yet... I can imagine that if someone were living with them, married to them, they would feel unloved, unseen, unfelt, because this person doesn't really know how to acknowledge people's feelings and just say, hey, I can see something is troubling you, and uh, I'd just like you to know I'm here for you. They, they, They don't know how to say things like that and just to, it's not that they don't want to some people are raised that it can be disadvantageous to show any sign that you're troubled <laughs> I like the comedian Kathleen Madigan and I don't know if I've ever said this in this podcast, but in one of her comedy specials, she's got a couple of them at Netflix, Kathleen Madigan, and uh, one of them has Jesus in the title. She talks about when she was a kid, she went to play at a friend's house, and I think I did say this recently in the podcast, uh, she went to play at a friend's house, and the friend had uh, was home with the mother and the sister. And when she, Kathleen walked in with her friend into the house, the mother was like, hey, and hugging and kissing and um, had snacks prepared for them. And, and, um, and then, like, the sister left, and... Uh, uh, and the mother was said, see you later, love you. And when uh, Kathleen and her friend left the house, the mother was again, love you, see you later. And Kathleen says to her friend, does your family tell each other they love them all the time like that? And the friend says, yeah, like, duh, of course. And the friend says, doesn't your family do that? And Kathleen says, oh, no, that would be showing a sign of weakness because she came from this big Catholic family and lots of brothers and sisters. So different orientations. We have different orientations. So if we evaluate everybody and all situations and circumstances only from our history, we're going to miss a lot. There's going to be so much that we misinterpret. And so we really don't know what it was like for our mothers and fathers. And even if they didn't do the best they could, even if they were horrible, because I work with a lot of people who were uh, raped and molested by their fathers, their stepfathers, their grandfathers, and uncles and brothers and cousins. And... And people whose mothers were cruel, intentionally cruel to them, 
But a person would only behave that way if they were lost. If they were lost. Lost to themselves, lost to life, lost to love. And so if we can look at them as the temporarily lost being that they are, the lost child, their inner child is very afraid, very hurt, very wounded, very confused. If we can see that in them and keep extending love and keep extending love, you know, it's such a tricky business because we can't give to get. That doesn't work. But what if we share and extend love in order to restore in order to redeem. I love redemption-themed stories, movies, plays, books, because that's the story of our life. Our life is a redemption story. And no child left behind. We can't leave anyone behind. We cannot hold in our heart that one person is not worth compassion, not worth love, not worth extending compassion and care. Therefore, we must relinquish our judgments and our attack thoughts. I'm not saying it's easy. It's challenging. Certainly the greatest challenge I've ever been confronted with is my own judging mind, my own critical mind. But I have to say that every minute of effort that I have put into being miracle-minded has paid off far more than I ever imagined it could. Because I am clear now that I am living my destiny. I am living the way I am intended to live. I am living my life according to the intentions that I set before I incarnated. I am determined to bring all negative karma, all false beliefs to the light and not hold on to one of them. And the great thing is, every time we bring one negative belief to the light, it makes the next one easier because we have more strength for it. We have more leverage One of the great decisions that I have made in my life was I decided that in my family, I was going to take responsibility and that I was going to fully say, I am responsible for the transformation of my family. I am responsible for the transformation of these false beliefs in this karma. And so by my determination to actually live the love, walk the talk, live the love, practice, 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 practice all day long, offering up to the Holy Spirit everything that does not serve a life of love, doing that to the best of my ability, some days better than others, but now every day is a good day, seriously. Every freaking day is a good day. I do not have bad days. I have this sleep app. Uh, I've mentioned this, and I at the end of the day, I have to say, uh, I, I fill out things like, oh, did you have coffee? Did you eat late? Did you exercise? Uh, did you have alcohol? All these different things. And every day, I, I pretty much tap the same things I... I had a good day, and I, what's another one? Um, Some days I work out, some days I don't. Um, Some days I eat late, some days I don't. Uh, But every day is a good day. No bad days. And while it's been a while since my mother died or something like that happened, even the day my mother died, it was not a bad day. 
It wasn't. Because I felt her go to the light. I felt that light, the release. And my father felt it too. There was joy in our hearts. We had lived a life with her, and now she was on to other things. And I can pray for my mother to have a wonderful life in her next lifetime. My mother's mother was a very manipulative person, and I love her very much, and she could be very difficult. And uh, I know I, I myself used to be a very, very difficult person to be around. And so I have a lot of compassion for my grandmother. I pray for my, gra- my grandmother. had a very difficult childhood. And I pray for my grandparents and my parents to have peace. That, you see, when we forgive the others... It makes it easier for them to forgive themselves. It decreases that negative karma that they have to deal with. And I'll just, because I've been using karma a lot today, uh, there is a a section about karma in the manual for teachers. But the main thing to understand, I think, is that karma is the residue of the decisions we made in the past. It's not a punishment. It's an opportunity to learn and choose again. There is no part of this life where spirit is punishing us. We punish ourselves. We punish each other. But there's no part of this life where spirit is punishing us. So I I, I just said negative karma. Uh, but there's not good karma and bad karma in the sense that It's all the residue of the decisions we made in the past. So if the decisions we make in the past are to bless and to be truly helpful, with no attachment to getting anything in return, we're not being manipulative, we're not being codependent, we're simply offering an opportunity to extend compassion. Living a compassionate life is the best decision I ever made. I recognized when I was in my mid-twenties at the time that I felt suicidal that I had very little compassion for anyone, especially not myself. There was no compassion to be had anywhere, very little. I would say the only time I could have compassion is if I had a friend who had a hard life, I would be kind to them. I'd try to help them. That was my limitation on compassion. But forgiveness, no. I thought forgiveness, no. That's, no. Not a good idea. Because if you forgive people, they'll just do it to you again. Screw them. No forgiveness. Uh Uh-uh. And no self-forgiveness, because how would I ever learn? So my meaning that I made of things, the interpretations of things... I just kept hitting myself and everyone else over the head with them year after year, day after day, minute after minute, over and over and over again. Punishing, 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 punishing. I believed in punishment for sure. And, you know, my parents believed in punishment as parents. And discipline. Punishment as discipline. And I'm not saying punishment as discipline is wrong. In fact, let me take this opportunity uh, to say that what A Course in Miracles tells us is forget punishment, go for correction. And that's th- that to me is the, the road for folks to take as a parent. And speaking of parenting, we at the Power of Love Ministry have a class coming up. So for years, people have been asking me to do something on parenting, and I finally am. (laughs) 
I'm really glad to be able to do it. So we start June 27th. It's six sessions over 12 weeks. And in between the sessions, we have support groups. So you can sign up just for one of the sessions. But if you sign up for all of them, you get the support group in between. So I'm kicking it off on June 27th with a class on when children are angry and disrespectful. And then uh, the, we have a class, we, we have each class has a different teacher. And so we have classes in mindful parenting, teaching children to be mindful, transforming overwhelm into family power, parenting children with learning challenges, uh, offering discipline with love, and parental self-love. So this is going to carry us over the next 12 weeks. And it's an absolute bargain. Again, you can also sign up for just one session if you like. Uh, and, and you'll of course, you'll get the replays and the downloads and all of that stuff. So come one, come all. If you're interested in parenting and even grandparenting, of course, this would be a great class series for you. Again, people have been asking for it for years. Parenting with Spirit. We start June 27th. And it's a Sunday class. It's Sunday mornings Eastern time. So hopefully that will work for many, many people. I can tell you that when I was a kid, my dad and I had a lot of fighting. It was tough times. I was such an independent person. And it's been interesting. I've talked to astrologers who have told me that my past life, uh, really, basically, I don't need to go into the details because it's not that interesting, but basically everything from past lives has played out in this life. And I, I do believe that's true, that we are overturning the unhelpful, unloving decisions that we made in past lives. And what I encourage is if you had a difficult time with your parents that you and they're, they've passed on, and even if they haven't, pray for them. Pray for them because I know I used to be a mean and vicious person, a cruel person. And I was like that, you know, at Christmas time, they, they show those commercials to raise money for the dog shelters and things like that. And they show these pictures of these dogs who uh, are shivering in the cold and they look so unhappy and miserable. That was me inside. But on the outside, I was arrogant. I was a fighter. I was a bully. So what I now know is that people who are arrogant, bullies, narcissistic, on the outside, inside, they're frightened, they're lost, they're worried, they're ashamed, they feel guilty, and they feel completely bad and wrong, irredeemable. And we can help them through our prayers, through our blessings of them. And whether they're still here on the planet or whether they've gone on, we can help them. And that is a spiritual opportunity we do not wish to pass by. So forgiveness is releasing the interpretation, the meaning we've made of things. And this is a, an opportunity we, we wish to take now because that is the healing opportunity that is available to us right now. At jenniferhadley.com, that's where you can sign up for the parenting class or anything else I'm offering. We On the homepage, I have a free forgiveness workshop called How to Get Over It. How to Get Over It. And I invite you, if you haven't done it, get it. All of it's free. And if you've got issues of forgiveness with your family and things like that, you may have friends, because like attracts like, who have the same issues as you. And so you can get this free workshop and do it together. 
have a little potluck. People are getting together again now. Of course, you can do it on Zoom. Sure you can. But I'm just saying, don't let the opportunity to let the past go pass you by. So forgiving our fathers, our mothers, our ancestors sets us free because we are our ancestors. We are not separate from them. We are one with them. We Anything we hold against anyone else, we hold against ourselves. And we are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent the one who sent us. And we don't have to worry about what to say or what to do because the one who sent us is directing us. So we can know that we are content to be wherever Spirit sends us, knowing God goes there with us. And, bonus, we will be healed as we let Spirit teach us to heal. This is our holy opportunity. Yes. (laughs) So, if you get a chance, check out me and my dad this Sunday, Father's Day, Sundays with Spirit. And uh, you do have to sign up because it is on Zoom, but it's totally free. And you get access to all the Sundays with Spirit, the ones with John Bundy and Lisa Natoli and David Hoffmeister and all the different folks. We've had such wonderful, wonderful speakers. Come join us at Sundays with Spirit. We're there every Sunday. I am grateful and thankful to all my brothers and sisters who have donated to support this podcast and to support this ministry. Oh my goodness, you bless me, you amaze me, you surprise me, you delight me, and thank you. Thank you for your contributions. Don't forget, you can always sign up for ACIM Texts, acimtexts.com or jenniferhadley.com. Yes. So many good things. Let us accept and receive them. I'm grateful and thankful to speak a word of prayer for us and for our fathers and mothers. We are grateful and thankful to bless the whole world. In gratitude, we say amen, and so it is. Amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.